If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 10 through 15 in just a moment, but before we do that, would you allow me to pray for us? Heavenly Father, we are so very aware of the many blessings that you have poured into our lives, most importantly, your Son, Jesus Christ. In this special season, we pray that you'd help us to focus our hearts and our minds on the precious gifts you have given us. And in, in this time we have together as we look into your word, Father, help us to, to listen for uh, a fresh word from you and, and to have hearts rekindled and minds rekindled to this attitude of gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and honor the reading of God's word, please. We're going to read beginning in verse 9. Of, uh, excuse me, of chapter 9, beginning of verse 10 through verse 15 of 2 Corinthians. Put my spectacles on here. He that is God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. The reading of God's Word will be blessed. Please be seated. It's easy to fall into the trap of, of taking things for granted. Despite the, the turmoil across our country in these days, we live in a wonderful and free United States. Amen? As evidenced by the fact that more people than ever are, are sacrificing everything they have to, just to get here, just to have a chance to live here and, and work here and earn a living for their families. Most of us are well-fed. Most of us have a roof over our heads and some money in our pockets, a little bit maybe, huh, Scott? And though personally you and I may not be as well-off as another person out there, compared to most of the world, we are rich. We're in the top 1%. The median worldwide income is $2,800 a year. Now, to put that in perspective, that means over 50% of households in this country make 25 times as much as the average median income. We're rich, folks. We're not only blessed materially, we're blessed with friends and family and a future. J.I. Packer, a theologian, points out that the biblical word for these blessings is grace. And from a theological standpoint, we need to delineate them between common grace and special grace. Common grace being the, the blessings of our daily life. Special grace referring to the blessings of God's salvation. Of common grace, Packer says, Every meal, every pleasure, every possession, every bit of sunshine, every night's sleep, every moment of health and safety, and everything else that sustains and enriches life is a divine gift. So those are common grace blessings that we all experience, and they're ours because our Father has been gracious to us and has chosen to give them to us. It's interesting and significant that the Anglo-Saxon root from which the word God comes means good. 
A.W. Pink, writing about this, says, God's goodness is underived. It is the essence of His eternal nature. Now, simply put, what he's saying there is God is good. That'd be your key clue, clue to, cue to say what? No, or all the time, right? Let's try it again. God is good. All the time. There we go. There we go. It's an old and perhaps trite saying, but it's so true. But despite this fact that we, we, in our hearts, we know God is good, we're often slow to acknowledge His goodness and our blessings. And, and I just wonder if it's because we've grown so accustomed to God's goodness and God's blessing that we fall into the trap of taking them for granted. And I don't know about you, but I'm certainly guilty on that count, and, and it's easy to do. So occasionally, maybe often, we need to be reminded of all that we have, all that we've been taking for granted, and that we should be thankful for, and to whom we should be thankful. It's at special times like Thanksgiving that we have the opportunity to focus our attention, really, in on the things that matter, the things that really count. Thanksgiving is a special time of year. It's a time when we can look back upon the blessings that God has given us. It's a time that we can look forward as well to the blessings that we'll enjoy in eternity. But as we survey our culture, our communities, maybe even our churches and our families, something seems to often be missing. Well, now, what is it? Well, clearly there are a lot of things missing from our culture and from many of our communities. You know of churches and families that are seem to be missing many things. But I suggest to you that one of the most crucial and telling things missing in our culture is gratitude. What's missing in our culture is an attitude of gratitude. And we remember how the, the Word describes the last days. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2-4, through 4, Paul writes, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, there it is, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, you did hear that in there. One of the characteristics mentioned in this litany of bad character traits is that of being ungrateful, an attitude which personifies our day. We live in an age of gratitude and gratitude, and I would suggest to you that has led to the sense of entitlement that pervades our culture. And that lack of gratitude is not a new malady, right? I mean, we see Paul address it in the New Testament. But before that, the philosopher Aristotle, 400 years earlier, recognized ingratitude. He said, he wrote back then, what soon grows old? Gratitude. And when gratitude decreases, we can be sure that something else increases, and that's complaining. By the way, why are so many folks complainers? I read a recent study that concluded chronic complainers live longer than people who are always sweet and serene. The, the study claims that their cantankerous spirit gives them purpose for living. And every morning they get up with this fresh challenge to see how many things they can complain about. And part of what fuels their satisfaction is how many people they can make miserable around them. Now, do you, do you, you're all thinking about somebody right now, I know. I mean, do you suppose this is true? 
I have a hard time believing that those who complain actually live longer than those who, who don't complain. And it could be, maybe, here's just a thought, it could be that it just seems that way to everybody around them. <laughs> it's true. None of us enjoys our time around chronic complainers. And who of us wants to be characterized as a complainer ourselves? We want to be thankful, don't we? We want to be thankful. And, and even if we forget at times all the have, that we have for which to be thankful. The truth is, everyone can find something in their life for which to be thankful. And certainly those of us who know Christ ought to be thankful, always thankful. So then what is the basis for true thanksgiving? Well, first of all, to be thankful, one must be thankful or grateful for something and to someone. Writer, one writer said, The atheist's most embarrassing moment is when he feels profoundly thankful for something but can't think of anybody to thank for it. Believer, we know the real basis for our thanksgiving is the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? The early pilgrims had, had many difficult days in settling this new land. Governor Bradford of Massachusetts made his first thanksgiving proclamation three years after the pilgrims had settled at Plymouth. He wrote these words, Inasmuch as the great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as He has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience, now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and ye little ones, do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of nine and twelve in the daytime on Thursday, November the 29th, in the year of our Lord, 1,623, and the third year since the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, there to listen to ye, pastor, and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for all his blessings, Governor William Bradford. These early pilgrims recognized that everything they had came from God. They were thankful for his provision, and they didn't hide the fact that they were thankful to God. David writes to us in Psalm 105, verse 1, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. But we ought not be embarrassed. We ought not be ashamed to thank God publicly. Just as it's, it's a good thing for us, to, to, for a husband or a wife, to show appreciation for their spouse in public, you and I can show appreciation to God in public. We can speak well of God's work in our lives to other people. Our public testimony is a, is a form of gratitude, you see, and it displays for all who witness that testimony our great appreciation for our Father. The greatest gift ever given by the greatest person was Jesus Christ. He's the answer to that question, what's the basis? He is the basis for all thanksgiving. Our verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. God sent Jesus because He loved us to do the greatest work that anyone has ever done. That work was, of course, dying on the cross for our sins, to make atonement for our sins, for, for, for all of the sins of those who will come to Him. He paid the penalty for those sins. He died so that you and I would not have to die. He suffered so that the bondage of sin could be broken. He took our place on the cross, yours and mine. He died for us. And He did it all because He loves us. God responded to the greatest need, our sin, 
by giving the greatest person, Jesus Christ, to make the greatest sacrifice, His death, in order to give us the greatest gift, eternal life. God gave us Jesus. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. When salvation comes to our home, you think back to when your children or grandchildren accepted Christ or a close friend perhaps, and we can't help in those moments to do what Scripture urges us to do, give thanks to the Lord, and we do it loudly and proudly. That's because we realize the basic cause for ingratitude was that the Father did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up to die on the cross for our salvation. Beloved, that's the gospel, right? That's the gospel. And those of us who've experienced the effects of the gospel in our lives know the gratitude that we feel in our hearts toward God. Though given the, given the magnitude, given the supremacy, given the efficacy of the gift, can we ever thank Him enough? I'm thankful for the time of worship through music we have the opportunity to enjoy. Psalmist in verse 2 of Psalm 105 writes, Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of His wondrous works. But we're showing our God gratitude when we worship Him in song. We're serenading God with song for His faithfulness, for His love, for His provision. Singing has a way of helping us to more passionately and completely express the overwhelming gratitude we have for Him and for His provision. From the Levitical singers praising God as with one voice, recorded in 2 Corinthians 5, to the numerous times that the psalmist pleads with us to sing to the Lord, to the Apostle Paul imploring us to sing songs and make melody in our hearts, to the angels around the throne singing, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Over and over the Bible speaks to the power and passion of praising God through song. It's obvious that those who have yet to believe It is impossible for them to know and to feel and to express the type and the degree of gratitude that we're talking about this morning. You see, they, they feel no need to honor God, so they don't honor God. In fact, they often defame God. And, and, and we get it. We understand why folks who have yet to believe experience this world as, as, a, as a dark place, as a place full of woe and despair. We understand their hopelessness. They are lost. They are indeed without hope for life beyond the grave. E.J. Conrad has said, One distinguishing mark of an unregenerate man is ingratitude. Unless a person, you see, has been touched by God, they'll probably never be truly grateful for anything. And, and if they are, they'll not offer the gratitude, their gratitude to the one who actually deserves it. Beloved, that's the blindness caused by unrepentant sin. And we all remember, before Christ saved us, we were slaves to our sin. Sin owned us. Sin controlled us. Now, we might have been able to put sin aside or escape sin for a, for a period of time, but we were never truly able to master sin or to put it to death. We, I mean, we couldn't put death to sin because sin still owned us. Sin still controlled us. We had a sin nature and no ability to do anything about it at all. We were enslaved, but then God. God alone accomplished our salvation by a work of sovereign grace. He alone gave us the faith to believe. He alone provided the way for us to be reconciled to Himself. He, he accepted Christ's sacrifice, made on our behalf, and He made us heirs, co-heirs 
with God the Son. And He sent the Holy Spirit to us as a guarantee of our inheritance. He's sealed by the Holy Spirit until we acquire possession of it on one great and glorious getting up morning. He gave us the sure promise of, of, of His presence for all eternity. But He's done more than that. That gift of the Holy Spirit given to us was meant to indwell us, to live within us, meaning that we can overcome sin. We've been freed from the penalty and the power of sin, and we're no longer slaves to sin. We have the sure promise of heaven where sin will be no more. Do you understand that you and I are now able to defeat sin? We can do it. The same power that saved us is now available to us to put sin to death, not just suppressing it, not hiding it, our witness compromised by it. We have the power to root sin out, to destroy it, to kill it. What an amazing gift our Heavenly Father has given us. You and I are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to Christ. Thanks be to God. But how often do you and I thoughtfully consider the amazing breadth and depth of the wonderful gift of grace that is the gospel. How, how often do we contemplate how blessed we are because of the gospel and all that comes with it? But that's why it's so important for us to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. The, the thought of the gospel should reverberate through our hearts and, and our minds, not only during special times such as Thanksgiving and, and, and Christmas, but every day. Because of the work of Christ, because of the grace of God, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can defeat sin. John Murray writes, No one has entrusted himself to Christ for deliverance from the guilt of sin who has not also entrusted himself for deliverance from the power of sin. The closer we draw to Christ, the better we know Christ. And it's there in the intimacy of our walk with Christ that we will find our attitude growing and growing and growing. Christ alone can give us an attitude of gratitude. There are over 550 references to thankfulness in the Bible pointing clearly to its importance. And with that kind of emphasis on thanksgiving, obviously there are a lot of benefits that go along with it as well. Let's just consider the benefits of cultivating this attitude of gratitude. And, and, and there are many again. Perhaps the greatest is that Thanksgiving has this transformative effect on our lives. It changes us. Thanksgiving, the attitude, makes us different. We've already made the point that we live in an ungrateful age. I mean, look around you. Daily, you see people who are they're just bitter. It's been said that some people are bitter not because they do not have anything, but because they do not have everything. But we've been taught well, haven't we, to be greedy and grasping, I mean, we're bombarded by advertisements reminding us that the things, of the things that we don't have. I mean, you, you go do a Google search for a certain project and then watch the pop-up ads appear on the pages that you visit after that. We've been trained. And Thanksgiving, listen, beloved, Thanksgiving and Christmas can be joyless and depressing, really, if your focus is on what's in the shopping cart rather than who's in the manger. We're led to believe that if we don't have the latest stuff, we'll not experience happiness. And that makes for ungrateful, unhappy, unsatisfied people. And unhappy people are unthankful people. And at first glance, you may think them unthankful because they're unhappy, but that's not true. In fact, the opposite is true. 
They're not unthankful because they're unhappy. They're unhappy because they're unthankful. You see, Thanksgiving, the attitude has the power to transform us into different people. And we'll not only be different from the people around us in culture, we'll also be different from the way we used to be. We'll be transformed. We'll be transformed in our thinking, and we'll be transformed in our temperament. As we seek to, to cultivate this attitude of gratitude, and it does take cultivation. It does take some work on our part. Our thinking will be transformed. It'll be transformed, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, right? Be trans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We'll begin to think in a different way. The way of the world is to concentrate on the negative. The prevailing tendency of the culture around us is to correct, to point out errors. But as, but as believers, we ought to focus on the positive. We ought to look for the good in everything. And just like we can find the negative in anything if we look long and hard enough, we can find the positive in anything if we look long and hard enough. Listen to, to the example of this kind of thinking found in Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Let your mind, Paul says, dwell on these things. And as you and I begin to focus our attention on the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, it has a renewing effect upon us. Our way of thinking is transformed. And listen, no matter how dark the day there's always a positive side, even the negative things. For instance, wives, you can be thankful for husbands who attack those small handyman repair jobs around your home, even if they're like me and they wind up having to call a professional in because they messed it up so bad. I tell my wife often that, listen, it's a ministry. That guy's got a family to support. That's my excuse anyway. We can be thankful for grandchildren who always leave our home just like they found it. The shame... They have to go back to their own parents till the next visit. We can be thankful for smoke alarms. They tell us when the turkey's done. <laughs> See, there's always a positive side. And if we choose to dwell there, if we choose to dwell there, our minds will be transformed. And not only will we experience transformed thinking, but we will experience transformed temperaments. We read in Colossians 3, the passage we read earlier. I'm going to read it again, though. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to the Father. So, giving thanks, mentioned over and over again then. It's mentioned because it is essential to the temperament which reflects the presence of Christ in our lives, which reflects the power and the presence of the Word in our lives. Thanksgiving, beloved, ought to be as natural and reflexive to us as Christians as swimming is to a fish. We are thankful as Christians simply because, period. It becomes a way of life. And many times we could choose to look on the negative. Matthew Henry, the famous scholar, had such an occasion. He was once accosted by thieves and robbed, and he wrote these words in his diary. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, 
because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Love, this is evidence of a man with a transformed temperament and transformed thinking. His life, his life had been changed by choosing to be thankful. And that, and that choice enables us to move forward. That choice to be thankful enables us to move forward in a lot of different areas in our lives. Cicero wrote, A thankful heart is not only the greatest virtue, but the parent of all other virtues. There's so many reasons to be thankful. We can be thankful for the gift of eternal life through Christ for the promises of God, which are all yes in Christ, for the blessings that God gives us daily, for what thanksgiving does for us inwardly, replacing hatred and bitterness, unforgiveness and envy, and for what thanksgiving does for us outwardly, making us a joy for other people to be around. But what, as we close, what, what if grace and gratitude came first for us every day? What what. what? What if we felt grace and gratitude when our hearts were filled with doubt? What if we felt grace and gratitude when we were going into a stressful situation? What if we felt grace and gratitude even in the face of great loss? What if we felt grace and gratitude before we judged someone else? What if we felt grace and gratitude even when we were the one being judged? We're in the beginning days of a special time of year, as we've noted earlier, a time marked with some awesome celebrations. Sounds like you guys have some coming up. Great times with our family. Moments, I hope many of them, in which we will reflect on all that we have for which to be thankful, especially for the birth of our Savior. But, but we all realize it can be an absolutely crazy time, right? If, if you want to see if gratitude can soften or eliminate some of the craziness in your life, not just in the holidays, but throughout the year, here's a thought. Try it. Try it. Try giving grace and offering gratitude. And here are a few ways you can put them first. Tell other people thank you when they do something for you, no matter how small a thing that was. Say thank you first. Set aside time each day to make a list, at least a mental list, of those things for which you're thankful. And start with the tiniest detail. It may just be one thing in your life. What, what are you grateful for when you first open your eyes in the morning? Don't allow other people's bitterness or negativity or any other outward circumstance, for that matter, to influence you. And while you're at it, look for the best in everyone. And believe the best about everyone. And say the best about everyone. Remember His grace. And it will give rise in you to a grateful heart. Anger, disappointment, failure, and frustration. They're parts of life. We all know that. But we can't let them become our default emotions and attitude. Choosing from a place of gratitude. Choosing to live from a place of gratitude brings joy it brings peace to us believe it, when you're stressing over your calendar or your to-do list and you're telling yourself how far you're falling behind you'll never get it all done remember you're a child of the king and remember also that the witness of a thankful and grace-filled heart impacts folks around you even when you don't realize it's impacting them 
Remember what really matters most to you. Trust in the promises of God. Here's one more. Laugh a little. Laugh a little. Laughter is just one expression of, of grace and gratitude. Laugh because life is, brother, life is serious enough without us trying to keep it all together every single day. And finally, let go. Let go of everything that's holding you back. Let, let go of the stuff that, that doesn't really matter. That just gets in the way of you, of you relishing the grace of God and showing the gratitude that's due Him. Let go. Now, I know it's hard to do that. It's hard to let go of some of the stuff in our lives, whether it's emotional or physical, but we have to. We need to let go of anything standing in the way of more grace and gratitude in our lives. Here's the thing. We can work to simplify our lives. We can take better care of ourselves. We can reduce stress. But some things are not in our control. There's always going to be surprises and disappointments, difficult people, uncertainty, loss, failure. If we've built up a reserve of grace and gratitude, and if we'll make that our focus, we'll get through that hard stuff, and we'll be stronger on the other side. And the good stuff, when it comes, it'll be all the more sweeter. We have many reasons for which to be thankful, but God's grace rises above them all. And listen, when you think about it, thankfulness is one of the main gifts that you and I can give to God. All the material things that we possess and that we imagine we gain for ourselves. But our thanksgiving is our own. It's uniquely ours. It's something we can choose to give or to withhold. It's an offering of praise to God, and it gladdens His heart. So what kind of attitudes characterize you this morning? You can either take things for granted or you can take them with gratitude. If you and I will focus on His grace, we'll always give thanks with a grateful heart, as we sang earlier. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we been reminded this morning of all we have for which to be thankful and to whom we need to be thankful. And Father, we just want to confess that there are so often times in our lives when we fail to do that. We, we know, Lord, we know, but we just, we're so busy and we just don't stop and take time to thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, forgive us for that. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, remind us each and every day to be thankful and to live with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.